in a crude laboratory in the basement of his home. Welcome to the CEO Raider podcast with your host, John Mayetta. If you enjoy this podcast, subscribe at Apple Podcasts or wherever you consume your podcast content. Leave us a five-star rating while you're there. It makes it easier for others to, to find us in this sea of podcasts, a rapidly growing industry. So I wanted to, to recap what is CEO Raider because I've had a number of people ask me the question recently and we're early stage. It's early days for us. So the world largely doesn't know who we are. So what's my intent? My intent is to build the next generation fintech slash info services platform that will help investors engage and find valuable content, similarly employees, similarly customers. Over time, I think our primary user cohort, if I had a segment by industry, financial services, that includes buy side, sell side, M&A, VC, PE, that includes um, outside of fin services, exec recruiting. How and why have we gone about what we've built? Well, over time, I want to own everything. What does that mean? I want every publicly traded company on the platform. I want as many privately held companies as humanly possible on the platform. I want the senior management teams for all those companies on the platform. What does on the platform mean? Well, we're not a social media company, so not a place where CEOs and CFOs can connect with each other. Nothing like that. I want in-depth CEO profiles, in-depth CFO profiles. Why? Well, because as I stated previously, I believe it's largely the CEO who determines whether or not a particular company is going to be a success. That should matter if you're an employee. That should matter if you're a customer. That should certainly matter if you're an investor. Why do I feel that way? Based on my experience, 20 years of, of investment experience, 20 years covering companies, high yield, equity, leading corp dev teams, or a global corp dev organization more accurately. And my first filter on the M&A side was always, who's the CEO of the target company? I want to meet that person. I want to see what they're about. Because if I don't like that person, and I don't mean personally, but if I don't like kind of how they view the world and what they're trying to accomplish with their company, then we're not doing the deal. We're not going to acquire that company. Same thing on the investment side. I spent most of my life on the sell side, a little bit in high yield on the buy side. When covering companies on the sell side, I had to like the management team. Otherwise, I wasn't going to cover them. If I didn't believe what they were doing was going to add long-term value, I didn't want to cover them. And the example I always give is Microsoft, even though it's one I did not cover. Look at Microsoft pre and post the CEO change with Steve Ballmer and Satya Nadella. They basically doubled their market cap. Satya has a completely, completely different strategy, uh, one of sort of openness, coopetition, not sharp elbows, makes their IP available across platforms, whether it's Microsoft platform or, or otherwise, and look what it's done for the company. I empathize with people who have started companies where they've created something that's New and not easy to bucket. I'll give you an example of a company I did cover. CoStar Group down in D.C. Andy Florence, founder, CEO, founder of the company in 86. Investors always hated the company. I picked up coverage. My old bank took them, helped take them public. I picked up coverage in 07, if I remember correctly, 06, 07. Few investors who really knew the company loved it. Most investors hated it. Why? Well, because... What CoStar did and does is they have commercial real estate information in their database. Their platform covers North America, parts of Europe. They're basically Bloomberg for the commercial real estate industry. And every so often, 
CoStar would enter new markets and build out their data coverage in that particular geography, kind of go state by state. And they would lay this out for investors, but every time the company announced, hey, you know, next quarter we're going to start an investment cycle because we need to build out this geography, investors would get pissed off and sell the shares off. Every time this company starts to get profitable, they make an investment. Every time this company gets close to a 20% operating margin, they make an investment. Bitch and moan, bitch and moan. Nobody wanted to give the company credit. All the institutional investors, most of them anyway, had a very short-term view. Not looking much further out than the next couple of quarters. Very few look, took the long view. This thing will never have a billion-dollar market cap, yada, yada, yada. Financial downturn hits in 09. Company's never going to grow again. Everybody's going to turn this off. I forget how low the cap got. $600 million, $500 million, I don't remember. I don't know if I believe in what they're doing. Come out of the downturn, billion cap. Same strategy, build out new geographies, augment organic product development and or, or organic data collection with acquisitions. They acquire LoopNet, 2012, if I remember correctly. I was out of the investment side by then running M&A. Next thing you know, their market cap is $2 billion. Keep doing what they're doing, haven't changed the story, keep executing, keep executing. Build out the data set, acquire companies within the space. Next thing you know, it's a $5 billion market cap. Here we are six years later, it's a $13 billion market cap company. 26 more times valuable than it was at the trough. Same management team, same strategy. It's called the long view. So what happens is when you create something new, something that changes the paradigm a little bit, something that's a little bit disruptive, not easy to bucket, everybody hates it. Starts to gain traction, everybody reluctantly kind of, eh, maybe there's something here, maybe it's worth a look at, whether it's a public or a private company. Gains meaningful market share, now people are telling their friends about it. Hey, you may want to take a look at this. Hey, I just bought some of this. You may want to own a little of this in your portfolio. Becomes the industry standard, and now everybody loves it. And everybody's, you know, oh, I, I knew it was going to work on day one. No, I, I saw this. Yeah, no, I met, the, I met the founder years ago. Yeah, yeah. Did you put money in? No, no, I didn't put money in. We were involved with other stuff. We couldn't put money in, money in at the time. We didn't have any cash. So I want every CEO, CFO, CXO on the platform. And every bit of data in the public domain about them, I want on the platform. I'm not talking about scraping data. Not talking about any of the untoward bullshit that Cambridge Analytica did. Just grabbing public company data, data in the public domain. Was John Doe CEO over what period of time with XYZ company? How many quarters did they make? How many quarters did they miss? What's John Doe like? Is he a product guy? Is he a sales and marketing guy? So biographical information is valuable. Is John Doe a long-term thinker, short-term thinker? Is he an operator? Is he more of a, a vision guy but can't operate his way out of a wet paper bag? So we created the 42 attributes at CEO Rater that describe a CEO's management style. Because all of this is valuable and information that you'd want to know, certainly as an investor. Maybe as an employee, if you want to hang your hat somewhere for five or 10 years or longer. So we want biographical data. We want performance data, meaning do they make quarters? Do they miss quarters? We're probably going to do some of that tracking ourselves internally over time. Because I think facts that, not to call them out, but I just did does an awful job of tracking hits and misses and how they account for it and how they publish data around that. A wise man once told me, hey, to really drive value, you've got to have data and workflow. So we're about to roll out this summer our first workflow application, which is just basically a, a notes application. So if you don't want to take your meeting notes in a draft email on your phone, which is what a lot of people do, or open archaic Microsoft Word, or if you don't want to use any of the other uh, sort of note apps that are out there. You could use our cloud-based notes application, which is being built on top of Amazon because Google reads your stuff, so we don't want 
anything that may be non-public to be captured by, by Google. In addition, I want data around companies, so financial data, the type of data you would typically see on Bloomberg Facts. That comes last. I want news. Keep an eye out for news in 2019. So news about public and private companies. I think the opportunity around company news is to display it in a way that's visually friendly, unlike FactSet and some others, to display it in a way that allows for manipulation of the data. So if somebody publishes a press release that has earnings information, you know, June quarter results, for an example, you'll be able to assimilate that quickly into an Excel spreadsheet, as an example. Much easier than anything you could do with FactSet or reading it off of a newswire. How do I think about adding data? Well, we're a startup. We don't have a couple hundred million on the balance sheet. We're largely self-funded. So it's what data is going to add the most value? What data can we afford to collect? What data does the competition not have? So I want to initially capture data that you're not really going to find on FactSet, on Bloomberg, this type of thing. Or if you find it, you know, they don't do it as well as us. It's not as robust. So when I think about competition, if you think about like the rings in a, in a tree, the outer rings is the data that nobody else has. Collect that first. So you're immediately differentiated. And as you work your way toward the center, you know, the same thesis applies, but now as you work your way toward the center, you're starting to collect data that other vendors, FactSet, Bloomberg, that other vendors also collect. And therefore, if you're going to overlap with other vendors, you better do it better and or cheaper. So if we're going to, as sort of a last step, collect information that would make us go head-to-head with FactSet and Bloomberg, you better believe we're going to do it at a fraction of the cost. Same quality. Data will be easier to manipulate and available at a far lower cost because we won't have the cost of the legacy infrastructure because we're building everything new from the ground up. And we won't pass the cost of that legacy infrastructure because there is no cost of legacy infrastructure. So we'll be able to give it to you cheaper. All this will start together, start to come together in the coming months. You'll start to see these releases on the platform. And at some point when I have the resources, you'll see tutorials on the platform that visually lay out what I just sort of talked about. We'll do so in a more eloquent fashion. We'll have YouTube videos and the like for every product feature and workflow on the platform. And what does that all mean? All the data that we're going to collect, what is it, you know, what are we trying to do at the end of the day? Well, we want investors, institutional investors, to be better informed about the companies they invest in. We want to help change institutional investors' thinking. I'm certainly in the minority in thinking that CEOs drive company outcomes. I don't think enough weighting is assigned toward the CEO's influence on whether or not a company succeeds. Where do you think culture comes from? Where do you think a sense of urgency comes from? It all starts from the C-suite. And so that's one of the reasons for this podcast, where I talk about corporate governance, long-term corporate thinking, corporate strategy, product development, M&A, organic growth, acquired growth, competitive strategy. All that stuff matters. And it's hard to measure in quarterly results. And therefore, it doesn't get the attention it deserves. So I'm trying to bring this information to the forefront, bring it into the discussion. It is what drives quarterly results. 
a model doesn't drive quarterly results. Quarterly results are driven by strategic decisions and tactical execution made, discussed, in quarters past. Quarterly results are a lagging indicator, hugely lagging. I also want to inform employees and give them tools to think about their career and how they may evaluate companies that they may want to go work for. And I want to give them a form, our anonymous reviews, to share their experiences. And that also goes for customers. It also goes for investors. Everything's anonymous on our platform. And every decision we make is going to be designed to, it is designed and will be the, con, continue to be designed to drive user engagement. So if you don't see it on the platform, it's probably just because I can't afford it at the moment. We can't afford it at the moment. We want to give you more tools to engage at the platform. We want to incorporate more video, more mobile. I get all that. There's a reason why you don't see it. You will see it. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Thank you.